Well, good morning. My name is Clay Baker. I'm the Burlington campus pastor. It's my privilege to be preaching to you this morning. Happy Independence Day weekend. I thought I heard something down here. Did I hear an amen? I don't know. I don't think we plan it this way, but it's fitting that on the weekend we're celebrating the document that declared, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. We're going to be studying a passage that has these very words. God shows no partiality. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. I'm a political science major. I was in college, so I think that's especially cool. But in any event, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 this morning. So go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I want you to picture a type of person that is very different from you. So a type of person, somebody that... um, doesn't look like you perhaps, or doesn't think like you, doesn't have the same beliefs as you, maybe doesn't talk like you. Picture somebody that, if you're being honest with yourself, makes you a little uncomfortable. Like if you had to spend time with this type of person or these people, it would really stretch you outside of your comfort zone. All right, everybody thinking of a type now? Okay. Now picture that a small group of these people, those people, they show up at your door, they knock on your door, you open the door, you're surprised, what are they doing here? And they tell you that an angel appeared to their boss, and so their boss sent them to you to to call for you, to bring you back to their boss so that they could all hear what you have to say. What would you do? Would you slam the door in their face? Would you call 911? Second Amendment lovers among us might have a different reaction. You wouldn't let them in, though, would you? Surely you wouldn't, like, go with them, would you? As odd as that situation sounds, that's essentially where Peter, the apostle Peter, found himself in our story. Now, God gave him a little heads up. God told him that some people were gonna be coming looking for him and that he should go with them, but Peter didn't know what they wanted. Peter didn't know why they were looking for him. Peter didn't know that they they would be so very different from him. God put Peter in a very uncomfortable situation and Peter had to decide whether he was going to follow God wherever God was leading, even if that was outside of his comfort zone. And because Peter did, because he did, he got to witness and be a part of one of the greatest events in the history of the church. You see, Peter learned that when it comes to the gospel, God shows no partiality. The gospel is for everyone. And all types of people respond to it in faith which means that God saves people, all sorts of people that are very different from Peter and very different from you and from me. We're gonna learn in our passage today that God creates uncomfortable gospel opportunities and that we as God's people should be willing to get uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel because salvation is for everyone who believes. All right, let's dive into our story. Acts chapter 10, we'll start in verse one, Acts 10, one. 
At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that is 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right, before we go any further, I should point out a few things to help us understand the context of this story. So Cornelius here is a Gentile. Cornelius is a Gentile. That means he's not a Jew. Now, we know that he, he worships the true God. He's a devout man. He gives to the poor. He prays. But he's not a Jew, and that's really important to our story. That means he hasn't been circumcised. That means he doesn't follow all the Jewish uh, purity or cleansing laws. It means especially important for our story that he doesn't follow the food laws that the Jews did. You see, the Jews were God's people. They were to be set apart for him, holy like him. And because of that, in the Old Testament, we see God giving the Jews all sorts of laws to reflect their holy status before him. And those included food laws, like what they could or couldn't eat. And we call this, still today, kosher, if you're familiar with that term, kosher. So for example, the Jews could eat beef slaughtered in a certain way, and most fish and some birds and winged insects that go on all fours with jointed legs above their feet with which to hop on the ground. It's grasshoppers. But they couldn't eat camel and they couldn't eat rock badger and they couldn't eat vulture. And they couldn't eat something near and dear to our hearts today, pork. Jews didn't eat pork. They didn't eat any of those things they weren't supposed to eat because to do so would make them unclean. And so we have this Gentile, this non-Jew Cornelius. He doesn't follow any of those rules because he's not a Jew. So the Jews would have considered him unclean. Cornelius also is a man of some status. It says he's a centurion. That means he's a Roman uh, general or sergeant of sorts. He had command over 100 men, and he would have been paid well for that. And that makes him even more different than the Jews uh, his, his Roman uh, citizenship and his service in the Roman army because they were the oppressors of the Jews in Palestine. So we've got this man who's very different from Peter in, in a number of ways. Uh, and one day we saw that he was praying. He had a vision of an angel that told him to send for Simon Peter who was staying in Joppa, which is about 30 miles away. And so he sends three of his best guys to go and get Peter. All right, let's pick up our story again in verse 9. Chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, that's the men that Cornelius sent, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour or noon to pray. And he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance 
and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So Peter's having this vision and he's seen all these unclean animals before him, all these animals that he wasn't supposed to eat as a Jew, and he hears the voice of the Lord telling him to rise, kill, and eat. So he is very confused about this. All right, let's, let's read on. Verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you are looking for. What's the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Peter would have known that these men, and he would have known that Cornelius was not a Jew. And this would have put him in a very uncomfortable situation. You see, these guys had just traveled a great distance. They were probably tired. They were probably hungry. The hospitable thing to do would be for Peter to invite them in, feed them, let them rest, visit with them. But the thing is, Jews in, in Peter's day, they didn't do those kinds of things with Gentiles. They didn't eat with them. They didn't stay under the same roof as them. See, the Gentiles were unclean, and so they thought to be around, to associate with the Gentiles that closely and that way would make them unclean too. And to cap it all off, these guys are not only there at his doorstep, but they're asking him to come with them back to Caesarea to this Gentile's house. All of that would have made Peter extremely uncomfortable, but at the same time, Peter knows that this is clearly being directed by God. Peter had been given a vision. He had been told what I call clean, don't call common. The spirit said, hey, these guys are coming, go with them. And then he learns from the guys that an angel had told Cornelius to send them. So he knows that this is God working it all together. And so it's clear that God put Peter in this very uncomfortable situation. And it's clear to us, the reader, we know that God is doing this for the sake of his gospel. You see, a few years ago, before our story, Jesus told his disciples to take his gospel message, his, the good news about him, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, a few years had passed and the gospel hadn't really gotten out of Judea and Samaria. 
So what's going on here is that God is nudging Peter along, nudging him out, even though that makes Peter very uncomfortable. You know, I think too, if we too, if we're honest, we have a tendency to stay inside our comfort zones, right? I mean, isn't it way easier to just be around people that think like us, that look like us, that maybe have the same kind of job as us or income as us, that believe the same things as us, that talk like us? Isn't that just way easier? Isn't that like what we prefer? We know from scripture though, that God has a plan to save people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We saw two weeks ago with our story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and we'll see in today's story, that God uses his people to save all these different types of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so if God is going to, and he is going to, save all these different types of people, and he's gonna use us, his people, to save other people, maybe, maybe, God wants to use us to save people who are very, very different from us. All right, hold on to that thought for a moment. We'll return to it. But let's see now how God used Peter in our story. So let's pick up again in verse 23. Peter, what's he do? He invites them in to be his guests. That's wonderful. He obeys. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So he took some of his Jewish believing friends with him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many people gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown it to me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why you've sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Peter was willing to follow God outside of his comfort zone. And because of that, he had the opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus to a whole room full of people that didn't know Jesus who were gathered there to listen to him. Peter had invited these unclean Gentiles into his home to be his guests. He had eaten with them. They had stayed overnight. He got up the next day, traveled with them, 
He goes to this other unclean Gentile's house. All of this would have made Peter very uncomfortable. All of this would have made him unclean by his customs. All of this would have been very taboo. But Peter did it because he was following God, because that is exactly where God was leading him. God was leading him across those lines for the sake of his gospel. God told Peter it wasn't for Peter to decide what was and was not clean. God decides what is and is not clean, and God had made these people clean. The gospel's for everyone. The gospel's for everyone to the ends of the earth. And because of that, the people that we, as God's people, are to proclaim the gospel to will undoubtedly be very different from us in many ways. Praise God that Peter was willing to get uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Did you know that if you are not ethnically Jewish, which I would imagine most of you are not, that you're a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And so if you're not ethnically Jewish, which most or all of us are not, we're all Gentiles. Southeast Iowa is like Gentile capital of the world, folks. We're all these dirty, unclean outsiders. But praise God that Peter and the brothers and sisters in the Lord that came before us got outside of their comfort zone for the gospel. Where would we be if, if they hadn't? Where would we be? Where would we be if we don't get outside of our comfort zone for the sake of the gospel? If you have one of these, this is a Harmony uh, Field Staff prayer calendar. If you have one of these, you will know that in the month of July, we are praying for Adam and Julie Martin, a lovely couple. There they are with their kids. They are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. They are there ministering to the Akalet people. They did not go to Papua New Guinea to minister to the Akalet people because it's comfortable. They are living in the bush. It ain't comfortable. It ain't easy. I can't imagine what they're going through. I get uncomfortable when my thermostat isn't set just right. They went there because the Akalet people needed a church and they needed the Bible in their own language. And so there they are, and they've been there for years. And they planted a church, and they're translating the Bible, and they're seeing all sorts of occulate people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Praise God that Adam and Julie Martin got outside their comfort zone for the sake of the gospel. Amen? Amen. God's got a plan to save people, and he's got a plan to save people that are very different from you and me. And if we'll let him, maybe he'll just use one of us to see new peoples come into his kingdom. Well, let's see how God used Peter in our story. Peter has arrived. Peter is there. They are gathered to hear what he has to say. Let's see how God uses Peter. Let's pick up in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. That's good news. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. 
You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, Peter's preaching this. And while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, that's Peter's Jewish believer friends that he brought with him, They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain with them for some days. Wow. Wow. God brought all of this together. God brought all of this together so that these Gentiles could hear what Peter had to say. And what did Peter have to say? He told them about Jesus. He told them the good news. He shared the good news that God shows no partiality. He shared the good news that God preached peace through Jesus, who is Lord of all and who did good to all and healed all. And even though he was put to death, God raised him on the third day. And now everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. As the Gentiles heard this good news, they believed. That's what happened. They believed. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he had fallen upon the Jewish believers at Pentecost. We read about that in Acts chapter two. It's just like like that. And so Peter knows and these Jewish believers know that this is God. This is God coming on the Gentiles just as he had come on them. Peter knows it's God's work. And so he, he asks, who can withhold the waters of baptism from them? these Gentiles, and the answer is no one because God shows no partiality and these people have believed in Jesus. This story should give you great encouragement. It should give you great encouragement if you're a believer. It should give you great encouragement if you are here and you are feeling too unclean to be accepted by God. These Gentiles didn't clean themselves up before God came to them. God came to them first. They didn't get circumcised. They didn't follow the food laws. They heard the good news of Jesus. 
and they responded to it in faith. They believed it. They knew they were sinners that needed forgiveness. The Holy Spirit cut, cut them to their hearts and they heard about this one who died for them for their sins so that they could be clean, so that they could be forgiven and they believed and then God, what did he do? He came in to live in them. Then they were clean by the blood of Jesus, by the very presence of God living in them. If you're not a believer in Jesus, I just implore you, read this story, read this good news, praise God and give your life to him. Receive Jesus just as these dirty Gentiles did. Turn from your sins and turn to the one who died so that your sins could be forgiven. And let him come in. Let him come into you and clean you up and live with you and be with you forever. You can do that today. You can do that in the quiet of your heart. You can do it in the auditorium before you leave. I urge you to do so if you haven't. For those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ who have received him in faith. Praise God. Praise God. You should be so thankful. <laughs> we should all be so thankful for the good work that he has done for us and in us. And I hope and I pray that we would be the type of people that would be willing to get uncomfortable so that other types of people who don't know Jesus could hear the good news of Jesus and that God could come in them and clean them, forgive them, just as we have been forgiven. I should point out to you though, because our story does, it goes on in chapter 11, we won't have time to read it, that if you start associating with outsiders, people very different from yourself, for the sake of the gospel, then you might just find that people who are very much like yourself get uncomfortable. In other words, you might take some heat from your fellow Christians. And in fact, that's what happened to Peter. Peter goes back to Jerusalem. Some of the Jewish believers there heard about what was going on and they didn't like it. They didn't like that Peter was hanging out with these unclean Gentiles. And so they asked Peter to explain himself. Peter had to explain himself. And when he did, he just pointed it all to God. He just explained how God brought it all together. God came upon the Gentiles. Just said God had come upon them at Pentecost. And then he says this. If then God gave the same gift to them that he gave to us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when his critics heard these things, it says they fell silent. And then they glorified God. They glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. To the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. When you repent, turn from your sins, you turn to Jesus in faith and you live, praise God. And if you start hanging out with people who don't know these truths and are very different from you, very different from us, 
so that maybe by God's leading and God's power, they could come to know these truths, you might just take some heat from other Christians. They might not understand what you're up to. They might not get what's going on. They might even think out of concern for you that you're going astray. But I pray that you would be willing, that we would be willing, that I would be willing to take that kind of heat and then to lovingly, gently explain to them, hey, this is for God's glory. This is God doing it. This is God's heart. God shows no partiality. Jesus came to save sinners like you and like me. And then I think that, that if, if they are really Christians, if they have really been saved by God, if they are forgiven sinners, then they will, they'll praise God. They'll praise God for the work he's doing and they'll know and they'll know he's at work. As you go about your life following God, as I pray that we all would, and he leads you to be interacting with, associating with people that aren't believers, don't compromise your integrity. Don't follow them into sin. Don't sin along with them. But I do pray, I do hope that you would be willing to be in relationship with them to be uncomfortable so that they too can know the good news of Jesus, the good news that, that you've received and by which you live. The end of chapter 11 talks about how hundreds of miles away in a city called Antioch, big city, God was using ordinary believers to save a great number of Gentiles. And I love that. We just read this detailed, thorough story of how God used Peter to save this household of Gentiles. And oh, by the way, reader, hundreds of miles away, God's using ordinary folks to save Gentiles in droves. God's doing a big work. He was doing a big work then. He's doing a big work today. He saved you and me. He's saving loads of people all over the world. And if you want, if you need a vision for how you can be a part of that, how you can be a part of what God's doing, then I would urge you to pray for that. We saw in our story that God showed up in big ways when Peter and Cornelius were praying. So if you read this story and this is the desire of your heart, yeah, God, you've saved me. Use me, Lord. Use me, show me, cry out to him and just ask him to show you. Ask him to show you the people that are around you, the people that may not be around you, but that he's saying, hey, look, over there, there's someone right there. You don't know him, you don't know her, but why don't you get to know him? Why don't you get to know her, even if that makes you uncomfortable? The gospel's for everyone. It's for everyone to the ends of the earth, and so ask God to show you the everyone's in your life. He may not give you a vision like he gave Peter and Cornelius, and that's okay. We've got their vision recorded in Scripture, and we see God's heart from that, and God's heart is that God shows no partiality, but God can show you the people he's leading you to, so ask him for that. At the beginning of the sermon, I asked you to picture a type of person that makes you uncomfortable. I asked you what you would do if they showed up at your doorstep to hear what you had to say. Now, they're not at your doorstep right now, but they're not very far away either, are they? 
They're all around us. And I don't know what kind of person makes you uncomfortable. I don't know if it's a person of color. I don't know if it's a blue collar person. I don't know if it's a white collar person. I don't know if it's a rich person or a poor person or an addicted person or a convicted person or a transgendered person or a protester person or maybe one of those gun-toting Second Amendment loving persons. I don't know who it is for you. But I do know that we're all persons. We're all persons. We're all created by God. We're all created equal. We are all in desperate need of God's grace. We were in desperate need before we knew him. We're in desperate need now that we know him. And thank God that he invites everyone to come to him in repentance and faith and live. So, Harmony, let's be a type of people. I pray that I'm a type of person. I need to grow in this too. But let's be a type of people that praise God for the work that he has done in us and he is doing in us. And let's in turn ask God to show us the uncomfortable gospel opportunities that he is creating all around us. And then when he does, in his leading, following him and in his power, let's get uncomfortable. Let's get uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel for his glory, all for his glory. Let's pray.